0: Log Talk Radio To the frontier beyond fear, live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison-Dans, and today is Saturday, March fourth, twenty twenty-three. And welcome to you wherever you are listening, or whenever you are listening, whether live or on some of the syndicates. And I do hope to get the program out soon on some more syndicates for you to find. Today, I have to say I'm coming into this topic rather spontaneously because of something that um, that occurred this morning that led me to reflect on this topic um, regarding self-worth and mutual respect. And it's not just today, but We all have things that happen that cause us to process, and I think that the reason that I want to talk about this, because I've had so much experience um, in the corporate world as well, as to how we move productively forward in truthfully very challenging times for many people. And I speak of what we're observing here in the U.S., and I know that there are other parts of the world where you may be listening, and it's even more challenging right now. But just because we're here doesn't mean that we can't face even deeper challenges if we don't find a path to a kind of energetic balance, and we haven't found the magic formula. Many people claim to have that formula, and it's some um, really quick and easy way to get to where perhaps we seek, but it's not a balanced way. And a lot of this has to do with our relationship with leadership structures and how we've been taught and how we need to shift how we've been taught, to think about the ways that we can participate meaningfully and also help us to, to find and identify those leaders who truly can help us on our way forward instead of hindering us because our own self-worth has to do truthfully with the freedom to pursue that which makes your heart sing. This is not something that can be um, imposed. We impose things on ourselves that do not make our hearts sing, um, often out of necessity. But here we're talking about the ideal. And I often wonder if... We make so many compromises with that which makes our hearts sing because um, we obviously have to deal with the demands of everyday life, whether we are parents or in a relationship or, or single. No matter what our situation, no matter what our age, the economic times in which we live, are making it challenging, and yet so many times a formula is proposed that has nothing to do with mutual respect or self-worth, and it doesn't acknowledge the actual spiritual structure, because divinely we are loved and valued for who we are. We are loved and valued, and we are independent creations, even though we, we are a part of a greater whole. So self-worth, mutual respect, has a lot to do with our understanding of who we are, how our authenticity, how our choices are valued, and also with respect to being a part of a community and a world or maybe various relationships, whether um, a romantic relationship, when a working environment, so many times in a neighborhood, even just in a community with your neighbors immediately around you, really all kinds of relationships with family. How do we find that space? And it is what I have to say today is that spirituality is of utmost importance. And even if we don't consider ourselves overtly spiritual, and I always in this program will acknowledge people who are not overtly spiritual, though I do find that anyone who is mocking or disrespectful of those who are spiritual, a materialist who is disrespectful or mocking is not in this space of either valuing my worth or having any respect for me. And I actually feel so much hope for people like that because I have the utmost empathy for them knowing what they are missing in not being able to have that spiritual life, either because of misconceptions of what that is, misconceptions about the divine, which is usually the case. I, it's often said, and I've said it myself, and I'm not the only one, an atheist, and a lot of atheists really identify themselves as agnostics. But um, And if you talk to them, they've included that in the term, where an agnostic has more uncertainty in it, where an atheist is certain about what they think. Um, Many an atheist simply doesn't believe in one concept of God because that 's the concept that they, they think is God. Well, in that situation we 're all atheists because i can I can wager every one of us can come up with some description of God that we say we are just sure is false or is not something that we can um, can believe in, or attach ourselves to. And that's all along the spectrum, no matter what you believe. I'm sure that there is a version or description of God that you would be atheistic to. This does not relieve us of addressing the difficult questions on the earth. That's the hardest thing to acknowledge and be spiritual, that difficult things happen on the earth. I was watching a special. It was just a nature special, and there was a part of it where they were saying um, there were these little mountain goats, and um, they were saying that only, I can't remember, I think only a third survived. I can't remember if it's a third of them don't survive, but no, I'm pretty sure it was only a third survived their first day of life, and the mother has to literally abandon the little goat. And hide it in the brush, so that a bear in particular, these bears, have um, evolved to um, find these mountain goats. This is in a like a northern um, cold climate, and it was a program about the Rockies that I was watching that was on pBS originally um, originally produced by the BBC and so, in they were tracking one case where this bear is hunting for this little mountain goat and it 's hiding in the grass, and how if they 're quiet, well, then the bear won 't find them and How can you not ask why is there a world like this? Why was there a world that was dominated by dinosaurs, like you know just tearing into each other the velociraptors? Why does predation of Any kind exists, and it happens among human beings as well in multiple ways. Why? 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 That often leads to atheism, because to even consider that there could be a higher reality of any kind and that these harsh, really cruel, cruel things are happening, everybody asks that question when they get to it. It's the big question why do harsh loveless horrible things happen even in the natural world in fact very much in the natural world and within our human world why it's easier to explain in the human world in some ways because you think well you know there's this and that reason this person is is a had a dark past a horrible childhood became Um, Not to say everyone with a horrible childhood becomes dark. Many, many people overcome that and become beautiful, beautiful souls and their catalysts. But you don't know um, what causes aberrant, really dark, cruel behavior in humanity. And people have come up with different explanations for that. But the problem is, is that some of those explanations then diminish the divine. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? Well, I can't give you the answer to the big question, except that it requires trust that there is an answer. I don't like it. I actually feel, you want to know how I feel about my own self-worth. I feel that I am respected for asking that question because I'm not just some little ant that any divinity would respect my part in the so-called committee because we're all a part of the omnipresent divine and we each and every one of us is valued and has a right to question why what is the purpose that may be the first thing I would ask on the other side I see a lot of wonderful things. We all do. Why does this have anything to do with the topic today? It has everything to do with the topic today because part of this, and let's go to a traditional workplace. We have in our traditional workplaces, most of them, and I do have experience with this in a leadership setting, um, we have authoritative structures. Where often people are promoted who have no business or experience being in that position where they, the lives of those that are under them are in their hands um, unequivocally with very little, um, you know, people are afraid of them or there's all kinds of power plays going on and things that you just can't even imagine that, that happen in greed-based structures. And it puts the individual, sometimes, or far too often, in a very vulnerable and inappropriate position. When I was in the corporate world, I was hopeful, although far too hopeful, unfortunately. But there were some glimmers of hope. We were getting there to a point that more collaborative leadership models could be developed where everyone is mutually respected, where someone's opinion matters, where you don't just have yes people who, you know, they're trying to get themselves into one of those positions of leadership, in which case they probably don't belong there, or they're just totally afraid because everybody has been in that position at some point um, where, you know, they might lose their job. I'll never forget someone telling me once, you know, they didn't feel they could speak up because... You know, they'd lose their health insurance now, Um, and there are just so many things that can happen. And it's all because of a skewed relationship that we have with leadership, authority, and our own self-worth and how we are to deal with one another in a space of energetic balance and mutual respect. It's not easy. Sometimes we're wrong. Can we admit when we're wrong? Sometimes a leader is wrong. Sometimes someone who works for a leader is wrong. And you can simply say, oh, I was wrong. You gave me more information. You know, being wrong usually has to do with not having enough information To know what is right or having some influence that skews how you feel about the world or about a situation. That's why information is paramount, honest, accurate, no holds barred. Information is so important when appropriate. You know, we've developed so many structures now. I mean, we're just in such a dark place. In the world. I mean, yes, of course, not everybody can know everything. That's the structure we're in right now. However, far too often things that people should know and there is no reason for them not to know, just basic, honest facts, are not shared with the public. And, or if they're shared, they're skewed, they're massaged, they're made to work a certain way, and this is on multiple sides of issues. We have trouble dealing with ambiguity. Some of these issues are not that easy. Where we will find our way to a mutual place of respect and understanding is when we're able to meaningfully share the what it is that we know, what it is our experience is. Because of my own experience, I've been in different on different paths in my life and um, spiritually and otherwise. So even if I've moved on from a particular path, um, for example, I am at this point just utterly unable to tolerate the kind of structures that exist in most workplaces because I don't believe in them. I do not believe in, you know, some the, the so-called boss. And they just, you know, they don't want information. I mean, the the skewed kind of, they're just everywhere. I mean, and so that requires sacrifice when you're unwilling to work in those environments that totally disrespect you or your opinion. It doesn't mean that you become a person who's always right. If you're a person who's always right, then you're stuck in ego. But you have to be in a space of mutual communication and respect. And that is so lacking. It's lacking in so many places. And we've gotten it wrong too many times. And I think it's because of our history and how we have developed our views of, you know, how how leadership structures work. And because of that, a lot of people don't even want to go into leadership. There's so much going on at those levels when it's really corrupt, um, and corruption is all around. I mean, it's not just in one place. And if you don't see that, then you need to open your eyes. Um, in fact, a lot of this has to do with looking in the mirror and seeing like, yeah, you know, unfortunately that is not good, that is not good, that is not good, instead of saying, oh, my way is 100% good all the time, and don't you dare question. If you're behaving like that, you don't respect me or anyone else. And um, and if you are supporting that kind of behavior, that is egoic behavior and not spiritual behavior, and it is not something that welcomes empathy or self-worth or mutual respect. We need to come to spaces of more understanding. It doesn't mean that we all agree. There will always be differences of opinion. But what would be so wonderful is if we were working together on, okay, there are different sets of information. Which one has the most likelihood of being true. How deep can we go and understand it? Why? Why does this group believe that? Why? And can you ask that about a different group that believes differently than you? Or why is there this hugely divisive thing? What's going on? What's actually below it? What's going on? And if we could do this, we will often find that we're there are those who are skimming over things. They're not really addressing the hard questions. And that's what we have to do to move productively forward. I know my last program was quite um, direct about the jeopardy I feel that the world is in. Now, on a spiritual level, I still believe that a miracle is possible. But because so many dis- functional human beings are in a position where they're making really dangerous decisions that impact all of us, people who really, we're not um, growing the leaders that we need because we've made it so difficult and it's just so nasty and combative and, and just, you know, manipulative and So many things and the money that's involved and so much corruption. We are not developing the leaders that we need. So what do we do? I mean, that's when we need to trust as best we can. I'm so grateful for my spiritual path because, and I also know that at a higher soul level that um, we're here for a reason having these learning experiences and that's what it is and that it's not forever and that even the earth is not forever you know humanity is just a a blink of the eye in the history of the earth and yet we care about humanity. We want to do our best, don't we, as humanity? I mean, if you think about it's not like it's a competition, but if you think about all the other planets and how people or are, are beings are learning and growing, they wouldn't be people on those worlds. I mean, we'd like to think that we're learning some things. Now, to be fair, some of the things we may have chosen, and I'm sure did choose on a soul level to learn, are some of the darker lessons, obviously, or we wouldn't be here at all. The way the natural world operates in its cruelty and harshness, I mean, just think about a tornado, just think about an earthquake, I mean, there's so many things. It is awe-inspiring, but it's also brutal, and that's a problem for me. That is a real problem that's when I want to raise my hand to the so-called boss to the committee and say, hey, hey, why, why, why is it like this? Give me a good answer. Why? And I believe I deserve to be able to ask that question. That is self-worth. When you believe that there is no one to whom that you can't ask a meaningful question and that you are not a little ant, but you're also not way up there either over everybody else. See, that gets totally mischaracterized too. We are all a part of the omnipresent divine. There is higher knowledge. There is a higher will. There are things we can't know as just ourselves. But often that, is mischaracterized as, as really arbitrary. And that's not loving or respectful. What is mutually respectful? And as far as people coming from all walks of life, which we so want in an ideal world, again, people would have the opportunity to do what makes their hearts sing in the best of ways, that if their talents could be nurtured so that they can develop it. And that doesn't mean that everyone is talented in the same way. You know, I happened to, when I was young, I very early on showed a, um, a, a talent for writing. I've always had a talent for writing since I probably first picked up a pencil practically. It may be coming somewhat from past lives, I can't say for sure, but however it came about, this person that I am has certain talents. On the other side of the equation, there are places where I am not talented at all. I mean, I am just, you know, there's no way I was ever going to be an athlete, for example, or, you know, really even a musician, even though I've played at that, you know, privately. But in terms of being a performer, um, no, I just, um, and I've known others who were just naturally inclined and they didn't have to force it. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't work really hard at a skill and get to a higher level than we ever dreamed was possible. That can happen. But being able to have the opportunity to blossom so that you have this beautiful field of wildflowers, all different. You know, there are some that are all uniform, and they can be quite beautiful, but they are uniform, and if you look at them closer, they're not uniform. Every single one of those daisies, if you're looking at a field of white daisies, they're all different. But just imagine the beauty, the beauty of not only this world and who we are, but all the worlds. We can't even fathom it, just how diverse and amazing. What is it? And I don't know the simple answer, but I know a part of it, and I'm working on it as I speak to you. What is it that we can each do to find our way towards one of those core talents? How, if we're in a position to do so, can we help others so that they can be in a position to nurture those talents, those gifts, And often those are the things that make their hearts sing because they love to do this thing. Help bring those meaningfully into the world. That doesn't mean you assign it to them and say, hey, you know, this happens too much too now. It's like, hey, you're good in math, so you're going to go to a math school and you're not going to learn any humanities hardly at all because you're good in math, so we're just going to... And by the way, you don't have a choice. Because you're good in math, we're telling you that's what you're going to do. No, that's not it either. That's a misuse of leadership now, isn't it? Somehow, I hope, in this very difficult time, those of us who are doing our best to do our best, which will feel imperfect, and yes, we do make mistakes, and can we admit it? Look for someone who doesn't admit it. If they never admit a mistake, have no humility whatsoever, that's not a good place to be in. Sometimes you know something and you know something's wrong, like maybe something's been, um, you know, in the sciences. That can happen where, you know, there's been an error somewhere and you point it out. That, well, then you can, you want to be be strong in in saying hey hey look at this look at this and far too often in the workplace that kind of thing isn't acknowledged look what happened years and years ago with the space shuttle which many of you may not remember um, depending on your age but um I remember it vividly where a company um at the time Morton Thiokol there were engineers there who questioned and said hey hey there's something wrong, but you know what? Dysfunctional leadership didn't even listen because they were stuck on the greed ego page or their own personal, um, you know, wealth page or whatever their own self-preservation. Sometimes there's so many dysfunctional reasons in a political structure, whatever. Um, that's not leadership. That's dysfunction. That's dysfunction. And the first thing we need to do is recognize that and start to see our way forward to a better path. And it it may not be a path that anyone has followed. It's not an ism. It's not because many of those are dysfunctional. Um, It's not easy. But we need to work on this and in our personal lives. Thank you those of you who've been listening live I made the live show a little shorter today than last week because I don't always know um, when this program will um, be long enough to be 45 minutes so some weeks it'll be 30 minutes live other weeks if I have a lot of material I know I have then it'll be 45 minutes so we'll just see thank you to Blog Talk Radio once again for featuring the program live while it's been um, at, on the live show, um, on the on the home page where they show um, select programs that are live. I always appreciate that, and I do appreciate the syndicates as well because I know that there are those of you who are listening on the syndicates, and I do hope to increase that. com is the main page for this program, and um, I will continue to grow in what we explore. I'm going to stay on the podcast for just a little while for those of you who are listening in the future or come back to listen to the end of the program. I felt that in the last show, and I did this so fast before today's episode, um, I had promised some readings that I had opened to last week. And so we're kind of going back to last week's Um, topic and I honestly can't even remember the exact title of that program as every week it just flows where it needs to flow yes it had to do with spiritual reality um, and material illusion and also just what's happening with our relationship with the natural world and even though the natural world let's connect it to um, our current program can be brutal can be brutal and is Um, there there is beauty within it. How do, we, how do we develop societies that are in energetic balance with our surroundings and value that beauty? And Last week before the show, I was opening to things which really were sad because it showed what disregard people had for the beauty that they found themselves in. And this didn't just happen to people who came here where I am in the United States. It happened all over the world at different times where advancement has often meant tearing down trees. And I thought of a really good example, tearing down trees, and we become, you know, the ones who are wiping out animals. Someone um, called my attention not too long ago to the fact that, um, you know, we almost hunted the polar bears out of, to extinction and they're only now actually coming back from the 60s in terms of numbers and that's so rarely known that that's true because they were really low in number and there may be any number of other things impacting them but um, you know it's and there is also an animal that um, that would behave like the bear I described in the BBC program I mean they are very predatory in nature of course many bears are like grizzlies and it is a hard question why do we have why why is some why is survival mode so difficult that this is what happens and yes there have been stories there was a story that i read about yellowstone where when they reintroduced the wolves suddenly the rivers started running more naturally, that actually having this balance between predator and, and I think it was the deer that were around, although I love deer. I hate to think of the wolves taking out the deer. And yet it did lead, interestingly enough, to more, um, a more organically flowing natural environment, like that was the way it was supposed to be in this world. That may be one of the answers. I mean, we created a harsh enough reality for humans on this planet, so maybe it's not so surprising that nature itself can be harsh. And, of course, the whole um, dinosaur experiment kind of ended rather abruptly with an asteroid. And maybe that's because we needed to start again. We wouldn't be here as we are. If not for a rather unusual series of of events in that time, and we also don't know the history of other other beings, other um, we don't even know the history of humanity because. And I've heard that a lot recently too. I'm not watching this new. um, There's a program apparently. I think it's on Netflix, and um, and Graham Hancock is exploring different um, origins for. For the world, um, where people there's evidence of things, and you know, so many areas of the sciences are so. I mean, talk about being in an ivory tower. I mean, they just do not accept questioning, and because you know they're looking for funding or their leadership structure, their financial structure is such. Um, their their internal. Um, political situation is such that 's not science that 's not science that 's not true exploration. We could have developed any number of energy sources by now if um we hadn't been so restricted and right now we're truly in denial and this is an area where you can open your eyes and look in the mirror if you're advocating. Um, you know, for all these batteries to be produced and the the earth to be mined everywhere, and having wind farms everywhere, um, marring the beauty of our world and our oceans and impacting the wildlife there um, that's not that 's not a viable solution i mean we don 't even have the grid to support and and if you look at these vast open space, and we're just racing ahead. Why? Well, there's money, and it is isn't there. And there are plenty of people who are making money off of it, and, um, you know, we're just not. And that's always been true in the energy sector. Look at what happened to Tesla many years ago. And, yes, you can go back and ask that question. We took a very hazardous step as a species when we became industrialized. We've been heading that way for a long time. Maybe a lot of planets go that route. But the problem with it is if you can't figure out how to do it in a balanced way, you will be heading straight into a wall of destruction, and that's the end of pretty much everything. Whereas even though it gains you a lot for a long time, and a lot of people, you know, there's more survival of things, and, and it seems like a safer world, Ultimately, it could be, there is some evidence that it could be one of the most hazardous steps that any beings could take. And if they could only develop spiritually rather than materially, see, we just didn't allow that on our world. We wiped out things. Um, we had a form of brutal at times um, ways of belief i won't call it spirituality if it's brutal that's not spiritual Um, but um, we just didn't we were you know this is our growth experience here that's the why i mean that's the only reason i can come up for it but um, there are just so many other roads we could have taken That would have been more balanced, and we would not be in the jeopardy we all are in today, you know, because we just allowed the material to dominate, and we allowed um, for many, many years, this isn't new, people who had no business being leaders, they got into positions of leadership, that they did not have the balance, they did not have skills. They only had self-interest, greed. Um, Maybe they were being manipulated. They had other things going on for them that um, just didn't lead to a balanced, productive world. Um, And it wasn't and isn't a world still where everyone is valued. In fact, if anything, we're moving in a direction of the devaluing of people. And um, that is not going to end well um, if we continue down that route. I'll only be here so long as a person. You know, I'm getting older. I feel for the younger generations if we survive. And I hope that some of you who are younger, and I do believe that, you know, those of us who leave one life, well, we'll probably come in again in a different way. But um, it's going to be a huge challenge to find your way to a meaningful relationship collaboratively with others in which you too are valued and where actual data matters, where actual science in the sense that you really are looking for truth and the courage to be wrong is valued. The courage to be wrong. That may need to be a title of a future broadcast, the courage to be wrong. And it's a little ironic because people who have known me have thought, you know, at times I can be pretty stubborn, stubborn, too, about what I believe. If I really believe something is correct, well, then I will persist about that. I will. That's true. And many of us, and that's not wrong either. However, you also have to be open to hearing, okay, Why? what is it that makes you think that it isn't correct? That's how you thrive really in a community. You know? Um, if you don't think this is correct, well, why? What's what is it? If it's especially and there's sometimes you're not sure about something. See, so many times we have to look at the ambiguity. So many times we and I say this collectively that so many of us, it's part of the human condition, can get really stuck on just one part of a particular issue we're looking at without realizing we're missing the the so-called, um, they used to call it like the elephant in the room, the thing that is really important and that it changes everything, that you have to take that into account. And You know, I really feel like if we look honestly at the last couple of years, we will realize that many mistakes were made in a rush out of fear and that the data is coming in now to prove that. And if you don't have the courage to look at that, um, to be open-minded enough to see that and say, we don't ever want to make this mistake again because it's really put the world in a world of hurt, um, because mistakes were made and because greed was in it and a lot of things were involved um, and some really harmful things, some intentional probably, because that does happen. In fact, I don't think there's any probably about it. I think some intentionally um, harmful things happened and people refused to see it. Um, and we need to do better we need to do better next time. All right. I will go and see what I was guided to read last week because I don't want this to... So this show will go on for a little while for those of you who are interested. These are things I turned to last week that seemed to want to be read. I don't know if I'll read all of it. One is a letter from Benjamin Franklin to Thomas Paine regarding reason and religion. And it's interesting how I just came to this last week um, because I wasn't really looking for it. And I'll just read some of it, and I'm catching up with this quickly because I'm very in the moment with these things when when I find them at the time. Dear Sir, this is dated July 3rd, 1786, but there's a question mark behind it, like that may not be the actual date. I have read your manuscript with some attention. By the argument it contains against the doctrines of a particular providence, though you allow a general providence, you strike at the foundation of all religion. For without the belief of a providence, that takes, Cognizance of guards and guides and may favor particular persons. Ah, now I remember what this is about. There is no motive to worship a deity. Okay, we're going to talk about this. To fear its displeasure or to pray for its protection. And then he goes, I'm not going to read it all. Now I'm remembering. Basically, Benjamin Franklin is saying that without the fear of punishment by some deity, people would misbehave. And there's a part of this letter, um, uh, let's see, I can't find it anymore. It's a little bit later in the letter. I'll just paraphrase Um He says, okay, if men are so wicked as we now see them with religion, what would they be if without it? That's what he says towards the end of the letter. Well, okay, here's what's been said many times, and it is indeed true because I have personally observed it in many lives. Um, If that's what it takes for you to behave, in fact, here may be one of our answers that one of the reasons We have developed these dysfunctional authoritative structures is because we seem to think that people cannot behave well to one another if given the the opportunity to develop in such a way that it requires fear, fear of being crushed, that that's what it requires. That is dysfunctional right there. If your corporation is being rung that way, well, then it's not the most functional way, and it's not a mutually respectful way, nor is it an empathic, loving, or compassionate way. And look at how it totally devalues the self-worth of the person and their ability to learn and to see that there are empathic ways to behave. Yes, imperfectly. We're all imperfect. I have a... Every single one of us can point to times in our life where, oh, I wish I'd done that better. Oh, I didn't, you know. And a lot of times you'll find in those parts of your life you had been very wounded or there was some prompting that needed you to move on, but it doesn't mean that you were right. I mean, we all have dysfunctional behavior in our own lives. We do. But what are we learning from those things as we go forward? How... How are we trending forward and with one another? How forgiving are we of one another? How are we able to say to one another, oh, I'm sorry, I was having a stressful day or whatever, and and work it out? Instead, we don't even try so many times. So that's what that was about. That's about misunderstanding the nature of authority, which actually it was Benjamin Franklin who misunderstood it. Thomas Paine, he was a deist, and he was looking at things in a different way. Now, I'm not saying I'm a deist, but um, these two were having a conversation. Okay, here is another place that I opened to, uh, also a deist. Um, philip freeau seventeen fifty two to eighteen thirty two it's a poem on the universal on the universality and other attributes of the God of nature All that we see about abroad what is it all but nature's god? In meaner works discovered here, no less than in the starry sphere. In seas on earth this God is seen, all that exists upon him lean. He lives in all and never strayed a moment from the works he made. His system fixed on general laws bespeaks a wise creating cause. Impartially he rules mankind and all that on this globe we find. Unchanged in all that seems to change. Unbounded space in his great range to one vast purpose always true. No time with him is old or new. In all the attributes divine, unlimited perfectings shine. In these enwrapped, in these complete, All virtues in that center meet. This power doth all powers transcend. To all intelligence a friend exists the greatest and the best throughout all worlds to make them blessed. All that he did he first approved, he all things into being loved, or all he made he still presides for them in life or death provides that was written in 1815 Um, this is a deist um, poem and Deists often would would talk about first cause and see my personal belief is that it's not first of all there's there's language in this poem that is from the time in which it was written so let's acknowledge that so let's look at the higher meaning of things that we can draw from it certainly about the love about the presence. I actually believe that presence persists. You know, it's not just setting something in motion and then just leaving it alone. I think that um, there is still that continual because it's through us. I mean, it's the omnipresent divine and I'm not an expert on deism. I could study up on it again. Um, Years ago, I wasn't an expert either, but I probably knew more about it than I do right now. I did study religions at one time, even in college. I took Western and Eastern religions, because I was interested back then, too. I was searching. So this poem came up, so I'm putting it out there for you. This was a passage from William Cullen Bryant. He lived 1794 to 1878, and I think I, okay, this is a forest hymn, again, written in the language of its day. The groves were God's first temples, ere man learned to hew the shaft and lay the architrave and spread the roof above them, ere he framed the lofty vault to gather and roll back the sound of anthems in the darkling wood. Amid the cool and silence, he knelt down and offered to the mightiest solemn thanks and supplication. For his simple heart might not resist the sacred influences which from the stilly twilight of the place and from the gray old trunks that high in heaven mingled with their mossy boughs and from the sound of the invisible breath that swayed at once all their green tops stole over him and bowed his spirit with the thought of boundless power and inaccessible majesty. Ah, why should we in the world's riper years neglect God's ancient sanctuaries and adore only among the crowd and under roofs that our frail hands have raised? Let me at least, here in the shadow of this aged wood, offer one hymn, thrice happy if it find acceptance in his ear. That's the first part. It's a sad, sad hint because you can be sure that William Colin Bryant was observing woods that are no longer here because um, not just this continent but others, we've just torn down the trees. And he does speak of, you know, to build other structures, you know. Um, and it's just so sad. I don't know what the better path Would have been. It probably would have been a much more community based, smaller path. That's really what it likely would have been. Um, But um, it's just so sad. Now, he, in fact, you'll see this both in this writing and all the writings I've read today. I do believe there is a um, diminishment of the self worth of the individual, of people, with respect to the divine. Because and that's actually how we came to our skewed view of um, how leadership should be structured. It really does give us some clues to that, even in some relatively enlightened language for its day. Um, that that we are questioning our place. I mean, we are beloved, created beings, and we are not separate from the omnipresent divine. So. We are valued. We are valued. And um, even though there are times, yes, when we don't understand, many times, we don't understand everything. And there can be awe-inspiring things in nature. um, Our relationship to the divine is a loving and respectful one. And the respect goes both ways. Yes. We are limited in what we can see. I mean, it's really one aspect respecting another aspect of the omnipresent divine. And one cannot see the whole very clearly right now. And here, and we allowed that to happen. We allowed that to happen in order to see some things we couldn't see any other way. But each of us is special. Never lose sight of that. You are not just some... Um, drop in the sea and lost. It's a special, special person and being that you are, and that will be forever recorded in the Akash and forever will be true in some way. I feel like we're like rays of light, and each created being continues onward from where it first became conscious of itself in whatever way it was. I believe that. Both are true. Both are possible. The next one that I opened to last week is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he lived 1803 to 1882. And it's in the essay, Nature. And I may have kind of been looking around there, but I opened within... I can't remember last week what my process was. I don't think I randomly opened in the Nature Essay. I was kind of in the general realm, and that will be true of the next one as well from Henry David Thoreau. Okay, I'm trying to see what it was I was supposed to to read from this. Hold on a second. Okay, he's just asking a lot of questions about the nature of life. Let's just take a little bit of this. When we consider spirit, we see that the views already presented do not include the whole circumference of man. We must add some related thoughts. Three problems are put by nature to mind. What is matter? Whence is it? And where to? I don't think I'm going to be able to explore this properly. This is a pretty detail. We may need to return to this again when I have a little more time, and I know we're getting close to the hour. Um, one other thing from this section. Many truths arise to us out of the recesses of consciousness. We learn, here it is, we learn that the highest is present to the soul of man, That the dread universal essence, which is not wisdom or love or beauty or power, but all in one and each entirely, is that for which all things exist and that by which they are, that spirit creates, that behind nature, throughout nature, spirit is present, one and not compound. It does not act upon us from without that is in space and time, but spiritually or through ourselves. Therefore, that spirit, that is the supreme being, does not build up nature around us, but puts it forth through us as the life of the tree puts forth new branches and leaves through the pores of the old. Now, I just found that one kind of randomly, although it was on the page. I don't remember what I saw last week in this. But essentially, now, one thing I will disagree with is he says that the highest, he says it's not, one of the things he says it's not just is love. He said it's not wisdom or love or beauty or power, but all in one. I would say love is paramount over everything and every all the other things flow from it and yes love is very powerful and potent now i seem to have lost the um bookmark that was in henry david thoreau so we'll skip that this week because i've read a lot of thoreau on this program and i'll trust that the bookmark fell out for a reason and we're nearing the end of the hour so um i thank you those of you who have listened all the way to the end I hope that your soul has been nurtured by these words. I hope that it makes you think about what you believe. But I also really encourage you to think about is there a place where you have been unquestioning um because, you know, maybe you've been told something and um and you really need to think. Is that a trustworthy source? What what does the data say? What what is the real Um, nature of this or that, or if there are differing opinions, what are the nuances? Where are their points of agreement? Where is the bridge? Where are we being stubborn and where are we being honest and really exploring and attempting to find what is real? How can we move forward? How can we encourage um, more productive, functional empathic collaborative leadership everywhere that we we go how can we do that in a new way not an old way you don't have to do it in some old way but the old ways can nurture the new and there are some really good ideas too to those who have really looked at this and tried to find ways that foster the valuing of people And freedom. You know, I don't have it in front of me today, but I once again do want to refer to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And let's just think about his I Have a Dream speech and how beautiful that is and just how we can, how wonderful it would be for people from all walks of life to value one another, and to nurture the talents that each individual brings, and so that everyone can be engaged in things that make their hearts sing. What a wonderful, wonderful world we would live in if we could release more and more those things that um, are dysfunctional, that are hateful, that... Don't value anyone. And this is mutual, mutual respect all around, all around. Each and every one of us has things that we can bring forward for our own wonderful delight when you're working in the space of your heart and to others. Let's move in that direction. That's the productive way. Take care, everyone. Um, again, frontierbeyondfear.com is where this, the website for this show, originates. So, and the program itself originates on Blog Talk Radio. If you're listening on one of the syndicates, thank you again, and take care.